Welcome to the Gold Standard with Dr. Sue. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Dr. Kim Sue, and I'm the medical director of the Harm Reduction Coalition. We at Harm Reduction Coalition are doing a limited series podcast highlighting people and programs around the country that are making opioid agonist treatment easily available to people who want it. In our current U.S. opioid overdose death crisis, we particularly need to prioritize getting these life-saving medications like buprenorphine and methadone into the hands of people who need them, when they want them, and where they live. Today, I'm joined by my patient, Loretta S., for the first podcast of the series. It's an honor to talk to her today to learn about her experiences accessing low-threshold buprenorphine in a syringe service program in New York City, and to get a perspective on trauma-informed care of women who use drugs and how to provide stigma-free services. Uh, Say hi. Hi, I'm Loretta from the Bronx. So the goal of this podcast today is basically to talk about... um, what it means to be a low barrier buprenorphine program. Um, We um, uh, met first uh, several months ago in March of 2019, where I was prescribing uh, buprenorphine in one of the syringe exchanges, St. Anne's corner of harm reduction in the Bronx. And so I was hoping that Loretta could tell me kind of what brought her to the syringe exchange and um, how she found her way to meet me. Okay. Um, well, I met um, the doctor at St. Anne's Syringe Exchange in the Bronx. I used to go there um, to um, get uh, syringes and uh, the things I needed to, for me to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That's where I met you. I, uh, I, ha- I I needed help. I wanted help. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us how long you had been going to St. Anne's? I've been in St. Anne's for maybe two more years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And besides syringes, were there other things that um, you got there when you were that you needed to inject in a um, safer and more sterile fashion besides syringes? Yes. What else did you get there? They gave us the cookers, Mm -hmm. the alcohol, the water, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much everything you need Mm. so that you can um, do it safely. Yes, yes. And at that time, how much uh, heroin were you using a day, would you guess? About 14 bags a day. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite a quite an opioid uh, dependence there at that point. And would you be able to tell us how many years approximately you'd been using heroin this last time? Since 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what were your goals in in finding a doctor that prescribed buprenorphine or why did you decide to come see me that day? Well, like I said, I was looking. I, I knew I I I needed help, mm-hmm. and um, and and Saint Anne's. They told me about you. They mm-hmm. were there, and mm-hmm. it was so I, I 
it was it was good time. I was there. I went there every day, and you mm-hmm. was there. So mm-hmm. that's how it all began. Mm-hmm. And even if you had wanted a, a doctor to prescribe you this medication, um, it would have been difficult for you in many ways to organize yourself to find someone. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is it, it, it difficult. It was very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea behind the um, the prescribing in a syringe access program is that it's a low barrier model, meaning that we meet people where they're at, and we don't ask people to necessarily um, go to a doctor far away, or that you know you have to have an appointment, or that um, you have to have a counselor first, or there's various things that we were able to do. And I think that day we were able to get you medication that very same day. Is that true? Yes. You remember that? Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's walk through for the people listening how it worked. So you and I sat down for about an hour, 45 minutes, and we just talked about your medical history, some of your medications, your psychiatric history. And I talked you through the process. Part of me talking you through the process was asking if you'd ever taken it before, because it actually helps me to know if you've taken it before, whether a friend gave it to you or you bought one on the street or you've been receiving it from another doctor. So can you tell me if you'd taken it before? Yes, I did. Um, I was buying it in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much did it cost on the street for um, one, one dose? One dose is five dollars. Mm-hmm. And why would you why would you buy buy that medication? What does it do for you? I won't. Well, when I take the medication, I won't have any physical withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was. I bought it on the street, like if I had to visit my mm-hmm. family and stuff. I didn't want them to see me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I um. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was uh, easier for you in many ways because um, you use intravenously. So yes. it's. Um, that was another problem because yeah. of my veins. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't successful at getting mm-hmm. off. I, would, mm-hmm. I can use that. Mm-hmm. And so, in addition to heroin, you also use some other substances, which is common. Most people use many substances not just one, and can you just um, tell me what others you were doing in a typical day? Typical day, my first drug of choice was heroin, then I did cocaine and crack. Right, and can you just walk me through again how much usually you would spend on each of those? Okay, Um, heroin, 14 bags a day was about 100 bucks, $140 a day. Mm -hmm. Cocaine and the crack, that was anywhere from five hundred eight hundred dollars and up. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a regular every day with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how did you use the um, the heroin and the crack and the cocaine? You'd use heroin primarily to because you were dependent at that point on opioids. But how did you decide to use the cocaine and the crack? What did that make you feel, or why did you use those on top? My use was. Um, Based on coping, I yeah. couldn't deal with my life situations mm-hmm. and things that's happened. 
So, like in my past, when I got any kind of treatment, like methadone, it would help me with the opiate for a little while, but then I would immediately switch addictions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the cocaine and the crack. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Um, and here at Harm Reduction Coalition, we believe that there's lots of different medications that work for different people. So sometimes buprenorphine works for people and sometimes methadone works for people. And sometimes uh, I am naltrexone works for people. So we try to work with people to figure out what works for them now and what helps them achieve their goals. Now, when Lorraine and I first met, I always asked her and I ask all my patients, what's your goal in regards to your substance use? And what did you say, Loretta? My goal was to stop. And was it just to stop heroin? Was it to stop intravenous drugs? Was it to stop um, what? It was to stop heroin, intravenous drugs, but it was also, that was the beginning of it. Then mm-hmm. I wanted all drugs to move from my life. Yes, yes. And so... During the visit, we went through the substances that you used. We did a quick urine toxicology screen just to inform me of what um, you had been taking. Um, and, And then I sent a prescription to the pharmacy and it was for a week of medication for a home induction. And I walked you through when I wanted you to take the first dose. And I told you usually if you used at night that I'd want you to wait and wake up and feel a little withdrawal and then to take a half a film or a whole film at that point. And how, how was that for you? Did you have any issues? No, it worked mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. And how did you feel? How did it make you feel? I felt great, but I, I, I not only felt good physically, but it also gave me a sense of hope again. Mm-hmm. And the first time I met you, you actually were crying. I mean, you were high. You were, you know, we we don't like to use the word mess, but you felt a mess. Yes. And uh, I saw you a week later, and you just said you were just smiling and laughing, and you just said you felt normal. I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember. I, my life has changed completely. Yeah. And at the time that I met you, you were um, sleeping on the train. You were homeless. How long had you been homeless? Almost like two years I was sleeping on the train. Two years. And where are you sleeping now? No, I got my own room in an apartment. And doing well. Thank you, God. Yeah, and I hear that you just got a bed. Yeah, we bought a bed. I got curtains. I got a bank account. It's amazing. (laughs) And the goal of me taking care of Loretta in in a low barrier, low threshold way is that I got her what she needed immediately, which is the medication. She really needed the medication, buprenorphine, to stabilize her so that she didn't have to hustle every day and her life was very chaotic and it was um 
really marked by trying to get what she needed to take care of herself and not go into withdrawal. Can you walk me through a typical day um, a year ago, what you would do and, and what what your day felt like? Okay, well, I slept on a train with my husband. And when we woke up, we woke up sick, thinking, what are we going to do next? What are we going to make money to get that next feeling good bag, you know? And that meant either we would shoplift or he would swipe in the trains. Um, at this stage in my life, uh, I, I did some things I'm not proud of also on top of that, you know, um, which meant uh, prostituting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really, like, at that point when you were using, um, were you even getting high or were you just staving off withdrawal? Yeah, it was just to get better. Just, just, to, just to feel... A little normal. A little normal, yeah. We're going to take a break now to hear from one of our community partners. Hi, this is Jamie Favero from Next Harm Reduction. Next is an online and mail-based harm reduction program. We run a New York State licensed syringe exchange, which means that if you live in New York and you're in a county where you don't have a needle exchange near you, you can enroll online at nextdistro.org to have supplies sent directly to you. Our enrollment is encrypted, which means that your information is always kept safe and private. We also have an online and mail-based naloxone distribution program at naloxoneforall.org. If you have friends or family that you think should have naloxone, but they don't have health insurance to access it in the pharmacy, they can go online to take a brief training and have naloxone sent directly to their door. If you have any questions, go online to the contact form at nextdistro.org. We're back to talk about Loretta's introduction to safer injection practices. Did you learn how to inject in a way that was sterile and clean and safe? Or how did you initially learn how to inject? No, it was not sterile and clean. Mm -hmm. I just had someone, anyone, use their needle. And we know that, you know, people... Um, should ideally be using their own set of supplies in order to prevent sharing, transmitting communicable infectious diseases like HIV and hepatitis C. Did you ever share, and can you describe the context in which you, you would share um, syringes or cookers? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh When you're a heroin addict, you can get very physically sick mm -hmm. if you don't have it. So, um, on one uh, regular day, I might have my drugs, but I don't have a syringe or and a cooker, mm -hmm. and someone else has it. Mm -hmm. At that time and point, you're not worried about any kind of sickness or disease. Mm -hmm. You're just worried about getting better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that means I have to use that work somebody else's or even the work that's thrown down the block. Mm -hmm. And so 
at the same time that we ta- were talking about decreasing your risks, you also had told me at one point that you had overdosed a little bit before you met me. And I talked to patients and other people about harm reduction strategies to prevent overdose. So we try to kind of understand why, why an overdose happened and troubleshoot that. So in your circumstance, could you tell us what was going on when you had an overdose and um, what happened with the naloxone, the medication? Well, I had just come out of a detox. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm out, and I I, I was supposed to uh, have an appointment in a methadone maintenance program, mm-hmm. but they couldn't take me that day because it was too full. Mm-hmm. So I panicked because now I have, you know, I need my stuff. I, I can't deal with mm-hmm. no medication, no nothing, mm-hmm. so... We went in, we got a bag, but this bag was, it was fentanyl. I didn't know it was that. Mm-hmm. And being that I was sick and nervous and everything, I didn't think, I, and I have very, very thin veins, mm-hmm. no veins at that time. So being that I was in detox, you know, I haven't done it for a while, so mm-hmm. I was able to get off mm-hmm. and I just slammed it. Mm-hmm. And did you know it was fentanyl? No. No. And so Loretta is talking about a toxic street supply, a poisoned street supply of drugs. Um, we have a poisoning crisis here in the U.S. where people can't access, um, often can't access heroin anymore. And the harm reduction strategies we, we utilize around people using fentanyl or using heroin with fentanyl is to go slow, to uh, use with others, and do a, a test dose. You know, do it. You know, do a do a little bit. Now, your husband said that you turned blue. So, can you tell us what happened after that? Yeah, he said I turned blue. He he had a kit with him. Uh-huh. The the on. Yes. He panicked at first. He said. <laughs> And he, when he went to, to to administer it to me, it went off in the air. Mm-hmm. So there's something like we always say, make sure you got two just mm-hmm. in case because your nerves. But once he did that, I came back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you came back, did you realize you had uh, OD'd? Or did he tell you? He told me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people believe that when you come back from an overdose that people are violent. Can you um, dispel that myth? I No, what happens is what happened to me was I went into withdrawal mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. So for me that could mean uh, having a bowel movement <laughs> or vomiting. Uh-huh. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, you know, because I guess I was dead, and now I'm alive again. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yes. that's what you feel. You're more like a shock, like, yes. <gasps> what's going on? Now, had Jose also used, or were you taking turns? No. So that's another strategy that I tell my patients who are using is to take turns so that you can watch out for each other. So it's really lucky that, you know, Loretta used and Jose was watching her. And she, she would do the same if he was going to use and they could be just watch out for each other. It's important to have multiple naloxone kits and to get naloxone 
to your patients and people who use drugs because they are the ones who are going to save each other's lives. Like Jose saved Loretta's life. And, you know, I'm so glad that he was there because a lot of people use alone or don't have the medication they need. To, and it's a miracle drug to save people's life, right? Bring you back from being blue yes. and not breathing. Yes, it really is a miracle. I, I had an experience I used it on someone. Mm. That's and amazing. I couldn't believe how I saw someone not breathing. Mm. And you put this thing in the air in his nose and they're back. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about you know, a couple months, a couple months into your treatment with me at the buprenorphine, you know, a lot of things started to come up for you. And once the medication stabilized you off the heroin and you stopped using the heroin, what was going on in your life and, and describe what was happening, you know, two or three months after you um, started treatment with me. It was a roller coaster because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of feelings and emotions now are up. I'm not hiding. I'm not covering them anymore. Mm-hmm. But with that was a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. I got um once I st- started that, my family got back involved in my life. Mm-hmm. So you were able to see some of your grandchildren. Can you tell me about that? My grandson spent a week with me over the summer. Mm-hmm. I was able to spend time with him, mm-hmm. do things grandma does with the grandchild, you know. Regular things. Regular things. Like what? We went to Coney Island. I mean, uh, I was able to buy him clothes. Yes. And do things. I treated him. Yes. And that's like regular grandma things. And, and even a year ago, you were dealing with too much shame and stigma and chaos in your life you were sleeping on the six train to even see him yeah. you made so much progress thank you yeah thank you. and you know we it continues to be a work in progress um we've talked a little bit about how you've sought treatment before you've had a lot of trauma in your life you've experienced domestic violence sexual assault a lot of um, death around you. And this is very common for people who use drugs, um, really to witness and experience a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse. And one time you told me about trying to seek treatment in a place where you specifically requested a female counselor. And can you tell me what happened? Well, I didn't get the female counselor. (laughs) And I got a very judgmental male. And he called you a what? Junkie. And and this was a place that was supposed to be helping people yeah. like me. Yeah. You know? And so part of the work that we do at Harm Reduction Coalition is trying to help other people in the community and people who work with people who use drugs and people who use drugs themselves to learn how not to speak to people and how to speak to people. So the, the transition to person first language, I don't refer to people as drug abusers, addicts, junkies, um, all of these terms 
become internalized and make people feel really worthless. It makes people feel like they don't deserve care that, and it really in many ways drives people into the shadows. And Loretta has been to the emergency room a lot of times and has experienced some of that language and some of the way that people look at and talk about her. Is that true? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, Recently, you came in to see me and you asked for a urinalysis. And can you tell me why you wanted a urine toxicology? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't use them. I, I love urines now. There was a time when I ducked them. I hid from, you know. And it's, it's not just, it's about, it's, it's a reality. It's like, look, you're, you're really doing this to yourself. Yeah. And it was... Just showed the medication she'd be taking and no heroin and no opioids, which is really the goal. Even if it had shown, you know, cocaine or other substances, I would never stop Loretta's medication because her medication has been so helpful to her in stabilizing her life. And it's also helped me with the other drugs Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. Decreasing the cocaine the crack i mean really like that's all come down there was no cocaine recently no cocaine no heroin no cocaine (laughs) yeah and that was her goal and so in accordance with her goals we were able to meet it yes and i've also talked a little bit about um to loretta a little bit about her experiences with pregnancy and Child Protective Services, which is a big part of what it means to be a woman who uses uh, substances. And she's had a lot of very negative experiences with those systems. Um, I don't know if you want to just comment about how that was for your, you and your family. It was very traumatic. Till today, we're still struggling with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. This was something that happened in 2001. Yeah. And it just lingers on forever. It really has a very negative impact on your family. It does. Yeah. And um, let's talk a little bit about, I know you mentioned you had done some sex work. Um, Did you ever feel like there was anyone who was helping you to perform, uh, do sex work more safely? Um, did you have a place where you could talk to anyone openly in any field and that you encountered where you could get the care that you needed for um, screening and care for things you might have um, been exposed to? No, not at all. And not at all. And was that because you were too busy using or because no one ever was able to get the trust to get to that level where you could have those conversations? I think a little of everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trust, the shame, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all. And I mean, we're talking about this just because there are so many people out there doing this who you know, don't um, have access to medication they can take to prevent getting HIV called PrEP. 
medication that, you know, they should, uh, people should have vaccinations um, so they don't get hepatitis A or B. Um, people should have flu vaccinations. People should have access to condoms. People should have access to everything that they need for that to do that work more safely. I agree. I agree. This is the first time actually that I learned about any kind of safe drug use or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hear, but nobody really says, hey, this is the way, like, uh, the syringe exchange does. They do teach you that. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me some advice that you would give to doctors or nurses or other people about how to better work with women who use drugs? Oh, yes. I feel we need more people like you. <laughs> really, that 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 care, everybody's different. See, I, they have like this one stand, that's, no, I'm different, you, we all have different. It may be similar that we're all using, okay? But it's different. And I think that the doctors, everybody out there, should meet each person where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. we're not all in the same place. Mm-hmm. Without judgment. Mm-hmm. And without punishment, and I think with some level of curiosity and knowing that you for many years were the expert in your own body and your own life and you are still the expert and you you have taken care of yourself for many, many years and you have survived a lot. And so I think doctors often, you know, I know what's best or do this, do that. And really like I've learned a lot from you and that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast because you have so much to teach. Thank you. Your story has so much to teach and you've been so strong and so eloquent. Thank you. Yay. Thank you again for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at harm reduction. You can find Dr. Sue on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Kim Sue. Our production team is Dr. Sue, Lizzie Maldonado, and me, Dana Kurzer-Yashin. See you next time.